Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. On today's podcast, musician Nick Hempton joins me all the way from New York to discuss his new album. My name is Justin Hamilton, and I'd prefer if you're going to scat, do it on the front lawn and not here on Big Squid. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Our guest Nick Hempton is a mate of mine who is a saxophonist, composer and band leader who lives in New York and headlines clubs all over town and abroad. That, of course, was before COVID, but he's just starting to get back out there now. He's a good guy. Uh, Nick, I feel like if um, we lived in the same city, I would catch up with him on a much more regular basis. But uh, no, he's living the high life in New York and I'm living the lockdown life in Sydney. So, you know, swings and roundabouts, people. Uh, Nick's going to talk to me about his new album. Uh, and I, I ask him a question that he he tells me off for, which is funny. Because uh, he, as he said uh, later on, I just I just don't think that way. So I, I won't tell you what it is, but you'll hear it happen. But it's pretty funny. Um He's a great musician. Uh, I've seen him play live a number of times, and you can watch him play live online from 9.30am Sydney time this Friday, September 3rd. I'm going to place links at the Big Squid Facebook page where you can access his show, and if you like his music, then you can go out and uh, check out his website, which is nickhamptonband.com. thought you might like it as a way to start a Friday, especially if, like me, you're still in lockdown and you just want to have a taste of something else out there. Just a reminder also that season four of Big Squid is coming to an end next week. We have two more episodes of The Leftovers to go. There'll be one this week and the finale next week. And then also next week, Ben Elwood joins me to finish off our deep dive on the movies of Sophia Coppola with On the Rock. Sorry, 
I'm getting the giggles because it's one of my all-time favorite podcasts with Ben, and it feels like a really good way to finish up this season. Then I'm going to take a small break, and then we'll be back with season five, which we have some new and exciting segments that we want to leash upon you. Uh, We'll have some returning segments, the ones that you're enjoying, and uh, we'll have a new director that we're going to follow, and there's a lot going on. So just having a bit of time to relax, breathe, and get all of that set up. So once we start season five, we will be rolling. I don't reckon the break will be that long, but... Just enough time to get back on track. Anyway, we can talk all about that later. Let's bring in Nick, who also gave me some previews of a couple of songs off the new album, so you'll get to have a taste of them as well. All right, let's bring the big man in. There's many reasons to be uh, very frustrated with uh, the COVID situation, but I don't know if you would remember this, but one of the things that has played on my mind a lot was the last time I was meant to see you perform live, I was going to a show earlier and uh, my friends were selling merch and there was, I forget what happened, but something went awfully wrong and uh, I ended up being roped in to selling stuff which meant that uh, I didn't get to your gig and I thought well I'll just see you the next time you're down and that may have been 27 years ago. <laughs> yeah it feels like it doesn't it I remember this well because we were playing at uh, a place called The Foundry in Sydney yep. um, which we were doing every year and it was starting to turn into a thing and, and it's like I mean we, we all had the same story but as touring and was getting better and better and up to the end of 2019, things were looking good. And that was a nice steady gig. You know, every yeah. end of every year I'd come down there and play that place. And then you came by once, maybe the year before. Yeah. Um, and yeah, this time you didn't make it. And we always think next year, but that could be the last time I ever play there. Who knows? Oh my God. I know. It shouldn't look like that, but it's, you know, feels like that sometimes. Yeah. It's it, walking around, you know, it's always a real bummer of a moment when you go up oh, there goes that place up oh, that yeah. place isn't around anymore even th- places i've never been to there <laughs> you walk past and you go oh that restaurant that i had no intention of ever attending they're gone <laughs> my favorite place to talk about going one day yeah my favorite place to look at as i walk past yeah. uh, but what well, how is it in new york because it seems like it was it was dire right at the start but it seems like things are getting back to normal yeah, well, I'm not, it doesn't. Nothing about it feels normal, but I do feel like what you're going through now, we did last year at some point, right? Um, and it's been a gradual move towards normalcy and reopening. But we've lost a lot of stuff, like over the years, over the the past eighteen months, especially in my business, all the venues really stopped. There's a handful that have opened up again, but really, we're kind of encouraging new places to put music on because the places that were there before, a lot of them just haven't come back. Um, yeah. And restaurants and bars and places that we loved, not there anymore. Yeah. But, you know, they're being replaced because it's a busy city and, and uh, you know, people still want to go out and get drunk. So there's there's no shortage of places to do that now. It just all feels a bit different. Yeah. It's always disappointing when an old venue goes. It's like it's exciting. Even, even when a new venue... Uh, has a lot going for it. It's it's like it doesn't have the history in the walls, or it doesn't have the the right smells of the carpet, or exactly it's just something. And right? Some of these places have been through so much. Like there's a venue which you may have been to called the Village Vanguard, 
right in the middle of Greenwich Village, which has been open since 1920-something. Right. And it's still there, and we keep hearing rumours that maybe they'll open up again, but we haven't seen any sign of that happening. And that's exactly the kind of place you're talking about. You go down there, and even if you don't like the music, whoever's playing there at the time, the walls just smell like jazz, you know, it's yeah. in, a, in a good way. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's an amazing place with a great atmosphere and history. And if places like that don't come back, there's nothing really to replace it. It'll be, it'll be something. There'll be something to go somewhere to go and hear music and, and, you know, a place to hang out, but it won't have that, you know, that old New York vibe about it. Yeah. Uh, and, and also you had a lot of uh, travel kind of kicked in as well because you'd go down to, uh, before you'd come to Australia, you'd head off to Japan and places like that, wouldn't you? I, it, I was yeah, talking about the end of 2019. I was actually feeling really good about things at that point because it felt like I now had this kind of regular schedule. I'd get to Australia every year. I'd get to Asia. I was doing Singapore and China and um, Thailand every year. And then I'd go to Europe a few times a year and it was kind of developing into a routine. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, that all collapsed. I'm going to try, I'm, I'm making an attempt in a few weeks. I'm going to go back to, to Europe sort of on a, a wing and a prayer. There's not much happening. Gigs just right. keep getting booked last minute and then getting canceled. So, but I'm going over anyway and see, uh, see if I can make something happen. Cause I so- feel like that's the only way to kind of force it to, to, to happen yeah it almost feels like it's better rather than booking ahead and then it gets cancelled at the last second it's almost better to be there and make it happen at the last second kind of exactly right like italy has always been the most frustrating place to work for me because they at the best of times they're the most disorganized country in the world and they like to book (laughs) things you know two weeks out or something and i have to book a ticket and hotels and whatever without a gig and now it's even worse than that and i figure i'm going to get there in like a couple of days from when i get there i might be able to book something so right we'll see what happens it it could be the new way of doing business (laughs) lean into the chaos yeah right just yeah, it's uh, it's frustrating though, especially when you start to get that nice routine of travel and and being able to kind of plan your year. Uh, what's the community been like over there? Have you been able to kind of uh, stay in touch with people that you perform with, or are people coming and going? Certainly coming. Well, certainly going. Um, the I, I guess I'm lucky in that I've been around here long enough. I mean, I'm getting close. To 20 years now so there's yeah. people that I've been playing with for a long time and the guys who have been here as long as me pretty much stuck it out um, people who had somewhere else to go kind of went there so people disappeared and some of them came back but a lot of them haven't so the the scene is a lot smaller than it used to be um, and also there were every year there'd be this influx of young musicians coming from jazz school because we have a lot of big jazz schools here um, and they're obviously not there now either right so the scene is smaller but it's not necessarily a bad thing yeah um, it does feel weird like you, you just suddenly think oh well, who's that cat I played with a couple of years ago I used to see him every week haven't seen him in 18 months but yeah, yeah. I I find that sometimes with these uh, situations, it's the people who have been around the longest and the newest people who get culled because the newest they haven't they don't have the uh, the ground roots uh, to fall back on, and the the eldest are just like, well, fuck it, I'm out. Yeah, fuck this shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, New York is fine like that. At, at some point, almost everybody goes. I've had enough of this shit. I'm getting out of here because right. 
it's an exhausting place to be and it's kind of stupid really you can't make any money and it's i don't know it's it's kind of insane so eventually you get tired of it and i think this was the tipping point for a lot of cats who've been around for a long time you said i can see where this is going there are other places i could live much more easily so i'm going to do it i was not smart enough to do that or not ready yet i don't know i'm I, I hung in there. You know when you're not ready. Like there was a, there was a point up in uh, up here in Sydney where uh, there was just a lull for a. Uh, this was a pre-pandemic, and there, there were a few questions from friends in Melbourne and a few questions from people in Adelaide, sort of saying, "Ah, oh, you're going to come back down," and it was like, eh, "I don't feel like I've explored this a hundred percent yet," and that would I. Moving cities is fucking hard work, so you don't want to leave. You you almost want to leave a couple of years too late. Yeah, no, I think that's right. And um, cities or countries, it doesn't really make much difference once once you're outside that little scene that you're familiar with and gone and found your way into a new one. You've put a lot of work in already, and to just pack up and leave it feels like a real. I don't know. It's a blow. You're not ready to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I reckon I left Melbourne maybe 18 months too late. Too late, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's good. <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not like I look back at uh, that time and think, oh, if only I'd seen that through to its uh, fruition. Yeah. It's all, it's like, I think no. that is the better way to do it. Like, hang in there till you're sure you don't want to be there anymore and you've kind of milked it for all, all you can get out of it and given as much as you can, then, you know. Yeah, find something else. And and what's it like in uh, New York in uh, uh, like a city kind of rivalry? Because during COVID, uh, we found in Australia. I don't know if you've been able to keep across it, but the the state lines have created a. Uh, yeah, I noticed that. That's uh, really serious, it, isn't it? Like it's really it's, full on. The it's only us thing that versus them. Yeah, and it feels like the only good thing that could come out of it is that they can really spread state of origin to every state for every sport and people will get right behind it. As long as sport's not suffering, I'm glad yeah. to hear it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it's not really like that here. I, I guess partly because um, the states here are so much smaller than they are in Australia. So it's like you can't – I don't know. The, the idea of locking down states was never an issue. I think it kind of goes against what the Americans like to call their operating system. Anyway, I don't yeah. think they would ever put up with that. Um, so, and all, you could you could really not go anywhere. There was at the beginning of it. There, I, I actually live in New Jersey, um, right across the river from New York, and they did try to close that border between New York and New Jersey at the worst of it. Um, and my girlfriend was coming back and forth because she lived in New York and I lived here, and but she would drive under the river, under the bridge, under the tunnel pretty much every day and get by somehow talking her way through it they tried but it would never really work right right that's impressive like New Yorkers to... don't really put up with that shit you know like it's yeah if the cops are going to stand there at the you're going to have to find some way of talking your way around it or, or do doing right. something you know uh just as a mild uh, uh byline i watched a movie for the first time just two nights ago that i had never seen uh which you know when you have a presumption about a film and then you watch it and you go, oh, I was 100% wrong about this movie. Sure. Uh, and that was Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> so... <laughs> uh, you loved that movie, didn't you? 
Yeah, I did. Like the, the first time a, a C bomb got dropped, I was like, "This is not the film I thought this was going to be." No, it's a much more New Jersey film than you think it's going to be, isn't it? Yeah, like it's like it was gobsmacking. Like because you know why? Because in my head, I had I grew up watching Tim Brooke Taylor parody oh, yeah, it on the goodies yeah, yeah. and you know and in flying high slash aeroplane mm-hmm. you know so and now now it blows my mind even more that the goodies were parodying an r-rated film beautiful isn't it yeah but that's the kind of attitude isn't it like the attitude of uh yeah and that's never i don't i mean it's not like it used to be of course but there is an element of that in new york and new jersey it is still kind of a there are tough parts of these of these states. Yeah, and uh, I mean the Sopranos were set here for a reason. Yeah, those people are here. You know, you can actually see them on the street, and they act like that, and you avoid them at all cost. But yeah, it's, it's for real. Yeah, is it a little bit uh, because because it's not something we grew up with? Like, there's there's kind of tough guys in Australia that we'd see, and you'd just go, "Oh yeah, I recognise what that is." I'll just kind of uh, scoot around them and just keep moving. But mm-hmm. when you see someone who's a tough guy in America, we've seen so many of those tough guys in entertainment. Is there a little bit of you that maybe early on where you'd want to kind of stare at them a bit, like that's 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 a that's a TV yeah, character no. come to life. <laughs> Listen, I had, I mean, more than that. When I first moved to town, I used to work at a restaurant called Arturo's in Greenwich Village, which is an Italian restaurant um, and an old school. I've been there since the 50s. And it was a hangout. I mean, uh, uh, much less now than it used to be, but I think in the 70s particularly, this was a mob hangout. They would close down the back room for meetings. Right. Uh, A lot of the stuff still knew all the, the old wise guys, and they would come in occasionally. And you'd see them, and I just didn't really know how to take them because I can't really take it seriously. You see these guys, you know, in the suits kind of talking like they do in the movies. Like, You've got to be joking. Like, come yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> You're not serious. Uh, but everybody else around there is going, hmm. you know, I'd get a little sign coming in from one of the old waiters. So you just point at this guy and go, that's oh, uh, right. his nose with his finger and say, this is, uh, this is one of the guys, you know, treat him gently. Oh yeah, and it's it's real, but it's still super weird for me. Oh yeah, it's like like meeting a Joe Pesci in Goodfellas type of character right. sounds like it would be equal parts terrifying and just so entertaining. I just feel I think I was probably lucky because I would <laughs> not believe that it was real, and I would sort of just talk to these people like almost not laughing at them, but sort of in disbelief. Yeah, and because I never like you can't really believe that they're going to do anything. What are they going to do? Whack me? Yeah, like the, that doesn't really happen, but probably does happen. Right. But the, the, this Australian guy, we'll just leave him alone. He's an idiot. He doesn't know what he's doing. Oh yeah, so you I, can play I, that I card. With, sure. Yeah. <laughs> any, any card I can when it comes to a whacking, I'll take it. Yeah. Did you find that the accent and the colloquialisms would become more? pronounced in the, in those situations uh yeah oh i would go full on aussie when it comes to that don't worry <laughs> <laughs> suddenly saying get a cobber how's it going and they're like oh yeah no we don't understand what he's saying we don't he must understand be fine. what he's saying no. <laughs> he's one of those foreigners yeah well that was the that was the good thing about uh, or one of the little strokes of genius in uh, the sopranos was that the full-on characters were you know uh, like uh, van zandt would would do Al Pacino impersonations. Right. And it was like they were self-aware. 
you, you, you also hear about the real wise guys used to love watching these movies. Mm. You know, they're all fans of Goodfellas. They're yeah. like just watching themselves on TV, I guess. Yeah. But that's they're so all, weird, isn't it? They're all crying at the end. They see it as a tragedy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, this is the bit where it gets sad. It's like, no, I think this is a bit where he gets his comeuppance. I think that's what's meant to happen. Oh, they're covering their kids' eyes. It does. It's not that bad. Nothing <laughs> really happens. Did you ever see, uh, uh, like, the Scorseses or that coming in? Uh, did they have – I've always been fascinated if they had uh, – because they must know what's going on. Like, I think the Pesci, you know, do you think I'm funny – routine uh comes from an actual experience he had with a mob boss oh really yeah i mean i'm i'm not surprised by this just because that's what i'm talking about not really believing that it's real they really talk exactly this like the movies like these yeah. guys are, are doing incredible impressions of actual people yeah so, no, I, I, <laughs> it's still too weird to me to to talk about i just i, I still can't really believe that it's real but no you, you can go and see those guys for yourself just don't don't stand there and stare at them. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think the uh, uh, the first time I ever went to New York, and I'm so glad that I kind of uh, had a bit of an inkling of not to approach this person. Uh, down in uh, down in Greenwich Village, I sat three tables away in a restaurant that was like around uh, mid afternoon, and it was me, and it was Lou Reed, and you know oh, when you yeah, and you're looking at Lou Reed, and you're going. Man, I'd love to say something to you, but you're also Lou Reed, and if this goes poorly, which it probably will, then I'm not going to be able to enjoy Satellite of Love as much, so maybe I'll just let you have your time. I played a gig uh, like a couple of weekends ago, and uh, Steve Buscemi was there. Oh, yeah, right. That's so awesome. I could, I could go up and say almost anything to Steve Buscemi, but I didn't say anything, of course. Yeah. Because I'm going to go say, shut the fuck up, Donnie, or something, and I'm going to feel like an idiot and he'll hate me forever. So I'll <laughs> <laughs> how often, every day of his life. Yeah. How often does he get shut the fuck up, Donnie? <laughs> you just oh, know, you've got to keep your distance. I just uh, admired him from afar. Oh, Buscemi's a tough one, too. You know, like I've loved him in so cool. much. He was so nice. He came up. We were just playing jazz music in a, in a, like in a, in a park. Um, and he just came up. And he was so friendly. He loved the music. Hey guys, nice to nice to hear you. You're wonderful. He stayed all day. It was terrific. Oh really? Oh, that's <clears> nice. <throat> that's always good. Have you had? Uh, is that the like most exciting star sighting you've had at a gig? <clears throat> uh, I don't know. There's, I don't even remember them. So many yeah. of them, Justin. You know, I just so many. I'm up to my fucking neck with famous <laughs> people. How am I meant to choose here? <laughs> no, actually, not as often as I would think. Uh, but I probably don't hang out in the uh, trendy enough places. Right, right. Oh, you man. can feel them around you at all times. Yes, yeah. We were talking uh, beforehand. Uh, the the properly famous people, like there's. Like, I've been, you know, around famous people in Australia, and then you meet, like, someone who's worldwide famous, and you go, you're not us, are you? <laughs> you're not like us, are you? No, you're very different. Uh, you see the world in a very different way, and uh, there's a lot of talking over. That's what I've noticed with really famous people, because it never, uh, it's never entered their head that there's potentially a moment where they're not the most interesting person in a room. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
yeah. Well, it must be tough when people are always telling you that you're yeah. fascinating and wonderful, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. No, no. I, I have a I have a mild bit of empathy for them. I understand how that happens. <laughs> so, um, how's the creative process been in in lockdown as well? Do you, have you uh, had to actually make a concerted effort to find inspiration, or did you find that you uh, it went in and out of waves? I'm fascinated by this because I'm currently how many? Uh, I don't even know uh, how many weeks we are into lockdown now, but I've had to discard a lot of stuff that I love because I already consumed a lot of that in the last lockdown and had to kind of, uh, like, recently I've really gotten back into Elvis Costello and, that, and that's been my sole focus to kind of keep the keep the head moving because otherwise I'm yeah. over everything. <laughs> it, I mean, there's so many issues relating to this and creativity and... I don't know, keeping inspired. Uh, I mean, part of it is just exhaustion from this seemingly never-ending thing, which I think is really like it's – you feel like you're being beaten with a sponge all yeah. day. Like it's, like it's just exhausting all the time. So to just keep energetic and keep wanting to not only produce something interesting but also even take in something interesting, you know, like to find new music or to go to find – I don't know, even new movies or something to watch. Yeah. It's it's exhausting. You just find yourself kind of doing the same things over and over again because it's just easy and, and um, sort of comforting. Um, I guess my focus throughout this whole time has been um, performing as much as I can. Right. So we would find even, I mean, in ultimate lockdown, when we're really not allowed to leave the house, I guess we couldn't do anything and we were trying to do live streams. Yeah. Um, but as soon as we were allowed to leave the house, I would get together with guys in the park in Central Park or Prospect Park in Brooklyn and just play so that, I don't know, like the things are still moving in my brain, yeah. you know, that I'm still sort of creating something and the feeling that you can actually still reach other people made a huge difference for me. Like yeah. we would play um, in with these park gigs. We go there just on a weekday afternoon and set up, in the middle of a field and just start playing and people would just edge towards us until they were all around us. And people right. were like so hungry for any kind of, I don't know, soul food. Like they just yeah. wanted to, to hear, to listen to something, to, to you know, um, and they appreciated what we were doing much more than any audience I've ever done before. And they yeah. they go wild for it. They just loved it. They're so, you know, so hungry for it. So just to keep out there playing as much as possible was really all I did. Yeah. And I tried to keep it as simple as possible. You know, I'm not, I wasn't really writing any new material. I just played standard jazz repertoire, as much stuff that I thought people would know, people would recognize something that, you know, that they found familiar. Um, just giving audiences something to latch onto and giving me something to sort of reach people through. Yeah. That was, was kind of the focus for me and that, kept me moving through the whole time. Smart move to do something that people, you know, are across and familiar with. Yeah, I mean, feels- it's, it's easy for us to get tied up. I mean, when, when things are going well, you know, we're, we're writing new music, we're, we're, things can get a little bit high-minded or a little bit exclusive or something, and you forget, 
don't know if you forget it, but it, it becomes more important at these times that we've just, we're doing this for a reason, which is to connect with, with people. Yeah. Um, and this, this is when people are desperate for it. Uh, me as well. Was there any uh, panic going into the first live gigs? Because I know everyone that in the uh, comedy scene here, and I know everyone had the same uh, reaction last year, which was, what's comedy going to be? What's what's stand-up going to be now? How do we do this? Is it still going to work? What's going to happen? And then everyone would do their gig and you'd get off stage and you'd go, oh, you know what comedy is? It's stand-up comedy. That's what it is. It has not changed (laughs) at all. Everyone overthought it. Everyone, every single individual panicked everyone like just put too much idea into it and then as soon as you just did jokes yeah we were back um, on track i'm glad to hear that it was the case because it certainly that was my experience as well um we were very worried about it and audiences were worried and still are like i yeah. still get messages from people saying like I'm, I'm i'm glad you're doing gigs i'm not comfortable coming to them so there's yeah there's still a lot of people who are not going out but when we do do shows and now in new york where there's really no restrictions here now. So I'm back to playing small clubs that are jam packed with people. Right. And it feels exactly the way it always did. Right. So there's no, I mean, it, 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 it took no time to come back again. It was weird for the time when they had like, we had a long time where there were really limited, uh, a number of people allowed in yeah. bars and restaurants. So like a, a club where I play normally, which has a maximum 70 people, for a long time we were allowed 15 people in that club. And right. that was weird. Like that feels really strange to have 15 people all spread out throughout a room. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that didn't feel particularly good. But, you know, now that that's kind of lifted and people are back in the room together, it's just it's the same as it ever was and people are just sort of hungry for it. Yeah, the uh, the comedy store up here did a really good job of uh, changing the the seating arrangement. So it, normally it was you know kind of theatre style seating, and then when they had those initial restrictions, uh, they bought a whole lot of tables and just made it cabaret. And mm-hmm. th- suddenly the room still kind of looked and felt normal. But for places that couldn't do that kind of thing, you know, you you need. You need people next to each other to kind of be projecting energy back and forth for, to allow your music or, in my case, the jokes to be bouncing around and the feeling to go across there's them when there's so that gap. Of, so much of a successful – yeah, I mean, particularly comedy, <laughs> I don't know that you guys talk about that gap between stage and audience. Yeah. Like that. that's a real – you've got to really jump over that. Yeah. Uh, not such a big deal for me, but um, the, there's so many issues – in a room can make such a difference to the gig. Like I've heard comedians talk about um, the chairs being too comfortable. Like if you're in a room where the seats <laughs> right. are too comfortable, people are just kind of sitting back and relaxing. It doesn't, you want people kind of sitting up and paying attention and, and ready yeah. to be involved. And I think that happens everywhere. If you, if you're sort of lounging back and falling asleep or people aren't close enough to each other, like I feel like the involvement of an audience spreads throughout the audience so like if you've got somebody who's really into it that will kind of spread to the people around them and you'll get pockets of a room that are that are you know responding and maybe pockets that aren't but that will move throughout the room and if everybody's a long way away from each other that doesn't really operate that way yeah so i mean so much of a gig whether yours or mine has a lot to do with what's coming back from the crowd yeah Definitely. There's as soon as you said that, I you reminded me of a. There was a gig that I used to love in Melbourne, and it had it had lounges and everything, but they they were all a bit shitty, and it was <laughs> you know they weren't 
overly comfortable and the beers, you know, it was $6 for a jug of beer and all that kind of stuff. And that gig was great. And then they refurbished and they got these really nice lounges and they got these really nice chairs. And suddenly a jug of beer did not exist anymore, but you could get a $6 bottle of beer. And, <laughs> right. and you know, and you know what that gig was? Nowhere near as good. Uh, no, and near as good. It just lost all the character and and that comfort. You know, oh, it's much more it's much more comfortable now. And it's like, yeah. So now people are just a bit. <laughs> I just played this place a couple of nights ago, which is one that reopened. It's, it used to be called Fat Cat. It was a it's a huge basement pool hall with jazz club on one right. side of it. It's great. This place is awesome. Um, and it closed for most of the pandemic and just reopened. Um, and they used to have soft comfortable couches which people would either fall asleep in or i used to play 1 30 to 4 a.m that was my slot at this place right so it was either people sleeping or having sex yeah um, so now they've replaced it with uh, church pews like literal wooden church pews right which is very uncomfortable but yeah. people sit there and have a great time like they're, they're not falling asleep or having sex and they're kind of listening to the band it's great <laughs> That adds a religious sort of element to the show as well, which nobody wanted. Yeah, it's become evangelical. Exactly. Uh, and now there is a part of me that's thinking, oh, where are those people having sex now? Exactly. <laughs> Some of them come down to have sex on the pews, but that's a different type of uh, person altogether. Um, you have sort a new album coming out. Uh, it's it's not out yet, is it? It's, it's coming out soon. No, actually, we, we're... Um, this is a lot of advanced sizzle for this one. This is not coming out till uh, November. Right, right. Uh, but we recorded this one um, January of 2020 um, and got to the point where we'd done nearly all the sort of post-production magic that they do. Yeah. Um, and, then th- and then COVID hit. So uh, we, had to, we had to shelve it. Right. In the old-fashioned sense yep. of the word, not inserting it into my buttocks. Yep. Um, and so, <laughs> sorry. Uh, and then so it, I always it was wondered only- why you were standing up in all of your uh, st- live streaming. It's like, oh, he's got a whole album up there. <laughs> got to keep the merch somewhere. Yeah. Uh, so I, uh, it was only a couple of months ago that everything sort of, the studios reopened and we were able to go in and, and do all the mixing and mastering and, and right. get it produced. So it just arrived in the mail a couple of days ago um, and but it won't be out until November. That's uh, exciting. It is. It's great to get to have something new to talk about and new to to play some new music from. Yeah. Because there's a long time between records for me. So uh, it is Right. So what was – so there's a few things that I'm really – curious about. Uh, For starters, uh, when you listen to the album now, do you feel there's a demarcation between – like, are you listening to it going, oh, that's the guy that's pre-COVID? Do you hear things in it or does it just feel like it's, you know, just you? Uh, I, I know exactly what you mean and I think I will get to that point um, at s- soon because when you the, the worst part for me of making a record is the number of times you have to listen to it after you've done it. So, oh, like, a, you yeah. make it and then I have to listen to it over and over so I pick which which takes we're going to do, which tracks we're going to do and then I have, through the mixing and mastering process you have to listen to it so minutely that I'm sort of um, divorced from it at the moment. Like it doesn't, I'm trying to think of it as almost somebody else's record. Right. Um, but I know that as, if I go back to listen to something earlier of mine, it does kind of feel like a different person. Like it's right. And then this, I'm sure this will feel the same way. It's, it's a long time also between recording and release, like nearly yeah. two years. Yeah. So yeah, that will be very different. 
Yeah. But I just don't go back and listen to it, honestly. Once it's once it's out, I won't listen to it again unless I have to. Yeah, okay. So do you listen to any of your uh, older albums or? No, no, no. I never. Uh, yeah, I mean, I no, occasionally I'll get curious and go, I wonder how that's sounding after all these years and I'll put it on and I'll last a couple of minutes and I'll turn it off. Not because I hate it or, or something, it just, I don't know, it feels... It feels weird and it's not really me anymore and, and I don't know. I prefer to just have it out there and not to know anything about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's uh, at, at first I was a bit like, oh, oh, that's disappointing. But then it's like, I certainly do not go back and fucking listen to any of my comedy. <laughs> I was going to say, it's got to be the same. Like if you you must have recorded sets over the years and it's weird to go back and listen to yourself <laughs> yeah. from years ago and, and, and I don't know, you yeah, no. I, I, I can't compare it to anything else, but I don't know. It, it's a strange feeling. Yeah, no, I've I've never watched anything I've done. I've never l- listened back to anything. <laughs> it's like, no, 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 that's all done. Ready ready to keep going. Yep. Um, and so, and what was the inspiration for uh, this album? Was there was there a, uh, a conceit behind it, or is this a just a collection Not of really. songs? I mean, this was... It's really just trying to present what I was doing at that time. Um, it's a band that I've been working with for three or four years, and it's the same band as on the previous record. And it's just feeling so good. Or at that, I mean, it is now, but it was also feeling great at the end of 2018. And I thought it's time to get in there and sort of capture this good feeling because it comes in waves. You know, it's like. Things are like the, the the band is really feeling good at this point. We're we're comfortable with this material. Let's get in and, and record it now. Um, yeah. Because you never know what's going to happen. A, a month or two from now, uh, personalities get in the way, or somebody's moved, or something's changed, and it's not it's not that perfect spot. So yeah, it was just the right time. The the guys were firing, and it felt good to to get in there and put it down. So I will have to, honestly, I'll have to come up with some kind of story for why we made this record, because you have to write press releases and stuff like this. Like, there's some deep and meaningful reason for us recording these tunes at this particular time, but honestly, it was just, uh, it felt good. It was time to make a record. Yeah, I reckon uh, the press release is, uh, you know, this was made in the in the optimism of the end of uh, 2019, 2020, and we're releasing it now because this is where we want the world to get back to. That optimism. Exactly. <laughs> uh, checks in the mail for that. Uh, no, you can, I appreciate it. No, you can have that one for free. That's all yours. <laughs> <laughs> I love that stuff. So we've got a couple of tracks uh, that you've given us a, a snippet of. Um, let's have a listen to uh, Snake Oil. What, what's the inspiration? for that uh it's just a snaky sounding song it was right. uh I, I, I came up with this groove it took a long time to work out how the band was going to play this because the organ and guitar parts came first and then i spent a long time with the drummer trying to find a drum rhythm would work around it right. and when it kind of we got it there and it i thought this is perfect it's just a kind of slithery feel about it yeah Great. And when when you're working with uh, a musician and you need them to, you you need something that uh, has to be played in a specific way, but you're not quite certain what it is yet. How, what, what's that process like? Is that a, is that a back and forth? Is, do you have to be careful about not driving someone insane or like, what's that like? Well, I guess so, but what I, I always keep in mind is that the people I've booked for this band 
I booked them because I liked their playing and I liked their choices. So I'm kind of open to them bringing their own ideas yeah. into a project. So I will have something in mind and we'll, we will do a bit of back and forth. Like this is a good example of this, the drummer I went through a bunch of different feels and I would say, like a, a lot of us know the same recording. So I can say there's a drum feel that this guy played on this record. Can you do something like that? And he'll go, yeah, that's a little bit like this, or that's a little bit like this. And we'll move things and change things around a little bit. Um, but the end, in the end, I really, the, the most important thing is that the cats are feeling good about what they're playing, that they're feeling comfortable about it. And often that happens when they come up with them with the idea themselves. Right. So if right. I play this groove for them, like we had the organ and the guitar and I just, I got the organ player and the guitar player to just play this groove over and over again until the drummer found something that he was comfortable with. And I think that if he, if he finds it himself, then that's his thing and he's going to enjoy playing it more and feel more comfortable with it. So I'm happy yeah. to, you know, let him make that choice. And I'm guessing it's kind of exciting when you have an idea and then someone says, what about this? And you're like, Yep. Yeah. No. Fuck. That's that's what right. we're going with. I'm thrilled if that happens. Like, yeah. uh, because like you say, like trying to explain exactly what you want to somebody is almost impossible. Like, if I was a drummer, maybe I would be able to do it better. Um, but I'm not. I can just sort of give vague ideas about what I think it should be. So if he comes up and says, "What about this?" Brilliant. Great. Do it. I'm, I'm I'm all for that. Yeah, that's exciting. Well, let's have a listen to a little bit of Snake Oil right now. disappointments of my life that I did not learn an instrument and I I know you've told me that I don't don't think you should feel that way you've had a lot of uh, opportunities oh yeah yeah but I would it would be nice to wouldn't with Daryl you wouldn't have had that if you're a musician with 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 Mr. Summers uh, as he (laughs) he did not insist that we call him Mr. Summers but I did like to call him Mr. Summers well he was a drummer would you like to have had uh, Daryl do some fills on (laughs) you Let's, uh, let's discuss that later. I'll, I'll give you my thoughts <laughs> in detail. <laughs> I think he'd have some thoughts as well. So <laughs> why don't you play this as I, well, I don't know. It's sounding a bit racist. Um, <laughs> uh, the uh, the second track we hear, have here is The Runaround. Is, uh, what's what's the uh, inspiration for this one? No, this, these are the worst questions. Oh, I'm, they, sorry. I'm so sorry. No, no, in general, fantastic. But these questions about like, what's your inspiration for it? Well, I came up with a good melody. Yeah. And 
I matched it to a set of chord changes. Yeah. And then it sounded like one of the tunes that <laughs> come off the 60s records that I love on the Blue oh. label and yeah, have right. names like this. So, I don't know, Kaz, like Hank Mobley would put out records that all have names something like The Runaround or, I don't know, something yeah. like that. So this sound, I don't know, sounded... Uh, Appropriate. So, so where did the uh, so when you come up with a melody, is it? Are you specifically working on this one, or is this something where you're having a coffee and suddenly you're like, "Oh, I've just had an idea, and I have to quickly." No, I can't do that. I don't know what what you're like when you write, but I I don't come up with ideas out of nowhere. I only come up with them when I sit down and try to come up right. with something. So if right. I, um, I will take my coffee to the piano and have some music paper in front of me and start writing. Right. Um, and just write as much, as many notes as I possibly can and then edit later. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's, it, I'll, I'll start off with a melody or a, a nice little chord movement that I think is, you know, pleasing. And yep. then we'll, we'll develop it. And then there'll be sections. I'll have pages of little sections. There'll be like six bars here and 12 bars here. And then I'll... I'll think, well, this, this needs something. Oh, there's that two bars that I wrote last week over on this other page. I'll go and find that. And then maybe that will fit together nicely. So right. there's like writing a whole bunch and then chopping out bits and then putting bits back together again is kind of how I tend to do it. Oh, yeah. Great. Oh, I'm really fascinated by that uh process uh i think that happens a little bit with routines like a you know you'll have bits and pieces of jokes or ideas etc and then you suddenly realize that there's something thematic that allows you to bring three or four of those together and that's how you end up with a fully fledged routine well this is like you and i started talking originally because we were we were talking about the similarities between comedians and jazz musicians in our processes. Yeah. And to me, that's so fascinating with almost any creative person. I love to read about how people, how their processes work. Yeah. Authors, particularly authors and poets and things like that. I love to see how they, how they operate. And I, and I think they work almost the same in, in in almost any field. Like there's a lot of just writing down as much as you can and just, letting it go and not judging anything and just yeah. putting it down on paper until you can't do anything more and then go back to it. Do that. You could do that bit drunk and then go back sober and, and edit and cut bits out and find, yeah. you know, what's, what's when you come back, you know, in the next morning, cold light of day, what, uh, what works and what doesn't. Yeah. Um, it seems to be the same process for everybody, really. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? We we, we look at all the different uh, art forms that we're not a part of, and it's like, what manner of magic is this? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it feels like it's so beyond our scope of understanding. Yeah. But you, if if you sit down with somebody and, and ask about how they came up with this sculpture they made, yeah. Oh, you find out we all do things pretty much the same way. Yeah, I took a bit off there. I took a bit off right. here. I took a bit off here. Came back later. I went, oh, fuck. It's a vase. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right. Well, let's have uh, a listen to uh, the runaround now.
这曲总是 Happy， 呃，总是 Happy on the new album。Uh, ten tracks on the new album. I、right. didn't know how much time we had available, so I only sent you two.、Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's ten there, and、uh, um, they're a lot longer than that. Yeah, I, cut, I did cut them off early in case you think they're ten <laughs> one-minute songs. It's a, it's a very short Spotify playlist. Yeah, I've been sitting on this ten-minute album for eighteen <laughs> months, and I'm about to release it. So I see it on mini disc only. Well, there is.、Uh, there's a lot of money in ringtones. That's what they tell me. Yeah, I'm going to find that out one day. Maybe it's the、uh, maybe it's the time to have these special ringtones that you can. That's、release. what people want. The、yeah. young people of today want the jazz on their ringtones, don't they? <laughs> yeah, As I understand it, they're crazy for it. <laughs> I think they do.、Um, <laughs> be- before I let you go,、uh, what else have you been、uh, listening to lately? Has there been anything that's been、uh, inspiring you, or that you've just enjoyed? Um, I can't think of anything specific. I'm listening to a lot of classical music just because it's、uh, putting me in a place that I need to be these days. Yeah, yeah.、Uh, you know, I I wonder what、uh, the long term effects of this situation we find ourselves in are going to be.、Uh, but here it feels really kind of stressful. Everybody's really on edge all the time. Yeah.、Um, so that's kind of taking me out of it. Yeah,、uh, listening to jazz music is difficult when you do it all the time, and there's so much, so much sort of emotional attachment to everything you hear. You know, you've got to judge everything. What's this like? What you know? Yeah, put something different on.、Um, I can just enjoy it and not have to put myself in the middle of it. Yeah, I, I don't watch a lot of、uh, stand-up anymore, which is weird because that's all. And I'm sure you were the same with jazz. It's like all you consumed as you're getting as you're growing up,、yeah. and when you first start, that's all you're doing. And then、uh, it makes complete sense to me that you have been listening to classical music. <laughs> You've just gone, "Yep, I'm going to be、yep. over here." Yeah, right. And that's- Now, the other thing is like, when, like you say, when you when you're a kid and you, you've got to find your own way of doing these things. Yeah, like you need to absorb as much of That as you can, but、yeah. eventually you get to the point where you actually have to live a life. You know, like the only way you're going to make meaningful anything is to be a, you know, a human being. Yeah. So you can't just spend all your day listening to jazz. You've got to go out and I don't know, do stupid stuff and yeah, be like a human being. We read and. We've, we've met people,、uh, and we know people in our prospective、uh, industries that、uh, all they do is listen to jazz, and all they yeah, do is still listen、exactly. to comedy. And I cannot be bothered with them too often. <laughs> drag hanging out with those people, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely, it's a real、yeah. drag. Though the、um, the the last comedy show that I got into was the、uh, the Bo Burnham. Inside,、uh, so I don't know if you saw that.、You、I've、might. had so many musicians talk to me about him, but I have not. Discovered him yet? So I think you would enjoy that. Make an effort. Yeah, that would that would be that would be my hot tip. But so yeah, so you've you've been in the classical world. I've been in the、uh, post punk new wave. Yeah, Elvis man. Elvis Costello phase, <laughs> and that has been getting me through. Whatever takes us out of our own heads for a little while, I think, is a good idea. Oh yeah, absolutely.、Um, thank you for so much、uh, for catching up with me. Where can people find you、uh, online? Uh, the website is nickhamptonband dot com. In fact, everything is Nick Hampton Band. So if you want to find me on Instagram or Facebook, it's all Nick Hampton Band. Yeah, and any more、uh, live shows、uh, or stream shows? Because I, the one that I watched last year was great. Oh, good. Yeah.、Um, honestly, now that we don't have to do them, I'm doing as few as I can. Yeah. I mean, I like. I like being able to reach people all around the world, but I'm so happy to be playing in front of hot, sweaty people 
in person. I'm just making the most of that. So uh, the only live streaming ones will be from Smalls Jazz Club, which I'm doing on September 2nd. Yep. They live stream all their shows. Uh, so, yeah, you can watch that one. And then, oh, yeah. Uh, send, send me a link and uh, I will put that up at uh, the uh, Big Squid Facebook page because this will – this podcast will come out next week so that will be a, a couple of days beforehand so I, I'll, I'll put a link up at uh, the big squid facebook page and then you'll be able to check you out uh, almost in the flesh almost in person that'll be great uh nick so good to see you and uh, good luck with the album uh, coming out and uh, let's do this again soon mate thank you so much for having me uh, anytime love to to Nick Hempton who also provides that little bit of music that you just heard right then. It's on every podcast. That's Nick as well. He's permeated throughout this podcast and uh, the new stuff sounds really good as well. So remember you can check out the live show this Friday, 9.30am Sydney time. I'm going to put links for that and his website, nickhemptonband.com. I'm going to put them on the Big Squid Facebook page so you can just head over there and you can check it all out. Uh, If you haven't already, well, maybe you can click like on the page and keep up with all the news about Big Squid and in particular when Season 5 is coming back. Or you know what might be easier is maybe just subscribe maybe you haven't subscribed maybe you just listen now and again and then if you subscribe then one day a new podcast will arrive and you'll think ah here's a little treat i wasn't expecting it's season five anyway whatever you want to do whichever's easiest do not let me uh, talk you into it but while i might have your ear please give us a top review on apple Podcasts and you know what recommendations to friends is always appreciated and probably always uh, the best way to go okay Let's finish today's podcast with a quote from Nina Simone and her relationship to her approach to jazz music in her life. Nina Simone said, I had spent many years pursuing excellence because that is what classical music is all about. Now it was dedicated to freedom and that was far more important. Until then. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.